日本史学習に最高にもってこいのサイトサムライアーカイブスポッドキャストへようこそ美しい自然にあふれてる縄文時代から波乱万丈な幕末まで全時代を網羅して日本史の隅から隅まで一緒に語り合いましょうでは早速日本史の世界へレッツゴー Hey everybody, welcome back to the Samurai Archives podcast. This is Chris, and today we'll be talking to Jared Wilson of the Martial Thoughts podcast. I wanted to have Jared back on the podcast because I was kind of curious about the modern state of martial arts. Last time he was on, we talked kind of in generalities about、uh, the martial arts, and I had originally been planning a blog post, but、uh, I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to actually. Talk to him and、uh, actually bring him on the podcast. And for those of you who are wondering, well, what does this have to do with Japanese history? Well, I think it's a safe bet to assume that either a majority or a majority of the minority, I guess, <laughs> let's say 25 to 60% of people who get interested in Japanese history kind of found their way there via the martial arts. So that's my rationale for bringing up a martial arts topic for the podcast. And now, my main areas of curiosity basically involved or revolved around how the martial arts have changed over the past、uh, 20 years or so with the advent of mixed martial arts in the UFC. And back in the、uh, olden days, when I was particularly active in the martial arts, there was no cage fighting, and、uh, there was this, this mystique around the martial arts. And so, I really wanted to see, you know, now that you can see people beat each other up in a cage, and you can see what works and you see what doesn't work, I wanted to know how much of that mystique is gone. What I also wanted to know was how does the modern martial art sort of see itself and what is its place in the modern world? And we go into other things as well. So, with that, enjoy. Okay, and、uh, thanks for being here today, Jared. Hey, a pleasure as always.、It's, I get to be a second guest star on this one. My second、right. time. Yep. <laughs> Number two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the reason, I,、uh, the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast today actually is because I wanted to talk about the modern state of martial arts.、Uh, last time we talked, In the previous podcast, we kind of talked about various, you know, various little you know, individual aspects of the martial arts and history, some this and that. But I, I really wanted to talk about、uh, the martial arts as a whole as it is today,、uh, you know, from everything from the teacher's perspective, student's perspective, what might have changed recently.、Um, because I, you know, I think if you really want to talk about the martial arts, I mean, it's good to go into the history, but you know, at the same time, what's actually happening today is what really would matter to the perspective. Perspective student or to the teacher. So I thought that would be actually something really worth going over. Sure. You know, I was thinking,、uh, you know, when I, when I, back when I first started martial arts and, you know, new kids would come in and the sensei would always say something like, So why did you want to study this? And then the first <laughs> answer I always heard was, I want to be a ninja turtle. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then later on, a few years, year, years later, it was, I want to be a Power Ranger. Right. And,、uh, So, and I'm sure that's sort of just, just、uh, adapted with the times it's gone. So, just out of curiosity, now when a new student comes through the door, well, what is it that you typically hear? Do you, typ- do you hear the same sort of stuff, like a, a fictional thing, or do you hear, like, I want to I fight in a cage someday? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, that's,、uh, it, it depends.、Um, most of the people that I talk to are adults coming in rather than you know, the kids part of it.、Um, and, and that's, How, what, are you, what are you defining、uh, adult as, age wise? Uh, well, <laughs> there seems to be a gap, honestly.、Uh, we get kids that are starting around age five, and then they'll go all the way up to about age 14, 15. Then there's a big gap, and somewhere about 25, you start to get people coming back in again. So,、wow. I, I wonder what the,、uh, I guess, 
well, you have uh, team girl. sports and stuff like that. <laughs> that's um, kind of taking the same the same place there. You know, peer pressure, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, I can I can go to I can go to karate tonight, or I can go to the party and maybe get lucky. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I can understand it anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you kind of have to be a martial arts nerd to really want to stick it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, when I started, I actually started right as I was uh, getting into college, so I, I guess I kind of skipped that part mm. of it. Um, well, with the <laughs> with the kids, it's usually the parents bringing them in. Um, there's very few times I've actually recalled the kids are the ones that are you know motivating the the going into the classes. Uh, the parents are usually yeah, yeah that makes sense. I... Yeah, and the parents. Yeah, I think that's probably typical with pretty much any sort of with anything. Yeah, I don't know how, how much the kids really want to play soccer that much, but usually with the parents, what they're doing is they're trying to. Uh, I, we hear the words discipline and self control continuously. You know, that's what they want their kid to get: discipline and self control. Um, and there, there is some with the bullying. I mean, that's always going to be an effect. Uh, you know, if if you talk to anybody in the school system and. Bullying has been this big thing in the last couple of years. They make it sound like it's a brand new thing. No, it, it it's been there forever. It's just before we allowed people to hit back. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> on the adult side, you get a, the the much wider variety of answers. Uh, you get some people that want the physical, uh, the physical training of it. You know, the the uh, physical fitness, I guess, part of it. Um, and then you get the same kind of answers. They want. Uh, something to be uh, some kind of a self-confidence, either a mental confidence or, or what I call physical confidence, you know, the ability to control your own physical body. Uh, some of them just want an outlet right. or a social group to be to belong to. Um, and a lot of times the people have no real That's good idea why they're there. So, Huh. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, when, when I was in the martial arts, when, when someone would come in who was just like, oh, I want to get physically fit, me and my friends were always like, well, what's up with this person? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, did, I, I didn't appreciate that at the time. <laughs> but, of course, I was like 16 or 17 or whatever. But Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so, and, uh, so you don't get the little kids who are like, I want to be a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't get that one as much. Um, like I said, most of the time it's the parents kind of pushing it. Um, do you ever any uh, overzealous parents who are like, my kid is going to fight MMA, MMA one day, and I want him to learn this and this and that, or do you have anything weird like that? Or Well, our school we have is a, uh, and again, you can argue about what the term traditional means, but uh, we don't, we do have MMA training, but we kind of keep it as a separate thing than the classes. It's almost like a, an individual class with an instructor. Huh. So there are, and I, I assume they're in Hawaii too, but uh, everywhere there's a, an outcropping of MMA schools. So if someone's looking specifically yeah. for MMA, for MMA, that's where they're going to go. Um, our school, yeah, exactly. That's uh, uh, that's kind of what I was what I was assuming. Yeah, our school has jujitsu in part of its name because we do uh, well a Japanese jujitsu. So uh, the uneducated people kind of mix it up, and usually those people will either find something that they like in our school and stay, or realize it's not what they're looking for and go to an MMA school. Yeah, that, that, that kind of goes with everything. <laughs> um, you know, that actually kind of brings up a, a sort of a, the direction I was interested in as far as the perception of, of traditional martial arts now because, you know, but see, it, I, I haven't been able to really put my finger on it. I've been trying to think of a way to sort of explain this, and I just haven't really come up with it. But, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the martial arts were like, it was like fighting in self-defense, but it was kind of like, it's like if you wanted to strike, if you wanted to learn 
self-defense, you would go to a martial arts school. And that was kind of the point. I mean, obviously each style has its own, you know, motivations or whatever. But, and now, now it kind of seems like nowadays it's like, well, if your goal is to defend yourself and fight, you're probably going to go, well, you know, go do some boxing, go, go do some mixed martial arts and wrestling. And, because I feel like that's been really bought, brought into the popular consciousness. So I was wondering, you know, as far as, you know, teaching and as far as being involved in the martial arts today, What's sort of changed now with mixed martial arts and, and sort of the now the sort of the p more publicly popular sort of MMA thing and, and just combat sports in general? How, how how have the traditional martial arts not not how have the traditional martial arts changed in so much as what what about, how about how have the public perceptions of them changed? Well, I think I think there's two parts to that answer. Um, one is first of all, people think they know what martial arts are. And they usually don't. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, they see the UFC, which is kind of the big name in mixed martial arts right now, and they think that's what martial arts is. Um, and if that's what they're looking for, that's great. That's a competition thing. It's a physical fitness thing. That It, it has its, uh, its own values. But then we also have people that do traditional martial arts that have a completely different set of values. So you kind of have to find your own niche in there. Um, I think... When the UFC was still starting to get big, and uh, it, it literally was a mix mixture of martial arts. So it had people that would do judo, and then they would also throw in some, like you said, boxing or Muay Thai or something like that. And they would kind of mix the, sk the skills together. Now, mixed martial arts has become its own style. It, I mean, it, there's a certain set of techniques that are considered mixed martial arts. So, <laughs> Oh, definitely, yeah. It, it, it's almost become its own separate entity in martial arts at the same time. So, the traditional martial arts, which is again, I, you know, if I, I do Aikido, which, if you look at it, that's less than a hundred years old. Most of the martial arts people are doing are a hundred years old at the oldest, you know, something like that. Right. So, yeah. You know, traditional is a relative term, even though we think of these things going back thousands of years, and you know, samurai doing these stuff, but it, it really isn't. I mean, the samurai would kind of laugh at us if we <laughs> if they saw us doing what what they do. <laughs> so. Um, most of the people that are coming into traditional martial arts want something else besides just the the competition part of it. And even stuff like uh, some of the uh, point sparring karate, there is the competition part of it, but there's also the other parts to traditional martial arts. And I think that's where, where traditional martial arts value lies, is those other things. I don't think mixed martial arts has as much of the the mental part of it. And I don't want to make it sound like they can't do it, but I'm just saying it's not their emphasis on their on their training. Right. So, you know, that actually also makes me kind of think, well, one, well there's, there's two questions I want to ask you. I guess I should go in order here. So the first question, I guess, would be, do you feel that there's been a, a change in perception of the traditional martial arts over the past 10 to 20 years? Well, Maybe I, because of MMA now becoming big as as for, so for like the lay person do you think the lay person now has a different opinion or a different idea of what traditional martial arts are or do you think it really it, it's still kind of esoteric and unless someone's actually interested in it they don't really have an opinion well i think that's the way it used to be you know anyone who did martial arts it was all of a sudden you know it's like woo, watch out for that guy type of thing you know it was <laughs> it was the, yeah de yeah definitely <clears throat> like you said they were all were becoming ninjas regardless if you're doing karate or whatever it was but um there was that hidden aspect because nobody really had an idea. Um, you know, everything was karate and judo. There w really weren't, nobody had any idea what anything else was. Um, nowadays, what I think the traditional martial arts is, they're kind of getting the, uh, 
uh, I don't know how to say this, a, a rebound from the mixed martial arts in that most people, their first inclination is, well, it doesn't work in a ring, so therefore it doesn't work. So it, in a lot of ways, it has hurt us, you know, traditional martial arts, but at the same time, it's also brought awareness of martial arts all up, um, and it's made a lot of traditional martial artists kind of look in the mirror and go, oh, crap, this may not work. <laughs> how do I have to make this actually work? So it, it's been both a boon and a, a, a downfall at the same time. Yeah, I, you know, I think one problem with MMA is that it gives uh, a layperson the perception that a fight is going to last for 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's like they don't realize these are professional athletes who get punched in the face for a living. <laughs> so well, I, I think they have some wildly inaccurate views of, of what a fight is and what martial arts is because <laughs> you're taking two highly trained, highly conditioned athletes who get punched in the face for money and, and sort of like basing your, your understanding and expectations on that. Well, well it's okay because before that we were basing all of our knowledge of fighting on movies, so you know. <laughs> That's a good point. Touche, yeah, touche. <laughs> you know, we all wanted to be uh, um, Shokasogi being the ninja, so. Yeah, exactly. Crush a cue ball in your fist. Right. <laughs> Um, and I think I mentioned it last time I talked to you, but I, I actually believe that there there must be a way to do it. Just just learning the correct pressure points on a cue ball. <laughs> that was my assumption back in the uh, back in the early '90s, I think. <laughs> well, you know, and the same idea with, along with the MMA is we have the internet, which is um, it, for traditional martial arts. Again, it's been a great thing in that now you can look up a whole bunch of different martial arts that you had no access to before. I mean, most places in the U.S. growing up in the 80s, probably into the 90s, it was, you know, the karate school on one end of town or it was the taekwondo school on the other end of town. You know, those were your options. And and now you can look up any martial art you want and see what they're about, see what their kind of ideas are. Um, we don't really have to have hidden techniques anymore. <laughs> we're not challenging each other in the streets and, you know, on rooftops in Hong Kong or anything good like that. Maybe we should go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's originally what the MMA was supposed to be about. <laughs> the original <That's> point. <laughs> the original UFC was people from different styles kind of seeing what worked and what didn't work. You know, yeah. they they had so, they had um they had a couple of uh, I'm trying to remember off the time I had there was a savat, there was a sumo, there was a kickboxer, and then obviously the Gracies were in there on it too. Yeah, so uh you know, actually sort of continuing along this line here with uh uh, well, with MMA, do you do you think that? Well, okay, let me put it this way. In uh, when I started martial arts in 1990, <laughs> one of those things so long ago, 1990 or 1991, um, you know, boxing was pretty big. I think mm -hmm. Mike Tyson was kind of still around. You know, uh, Evander Holyfield, and boxing was a legit combat sport. Right. But boxing and the martial arts had no. There was no competition between the two whatsoever. They were they were completely unrelated. And now you have mixed martial arts, and I, I guess my question may be an odd question, but do you think that just the, the term mixed martial arts is just sort of a cause, a kind of causes a problem, or, or does a disservice to traditional martial arts? Because technically it's a combat sport, and really, I, I guess it's difficult to not relate it to martial arts because you're kicking and punching, but do you think that... I guess if you were to look at it, uh, sort of <laughs> all other things aside, do you think the term mixed martial arts kind of ca either causes problems or basically what, 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 is your, what is your take on just the term mixed martial arts and how it kind of puts traditional martial arts and combat sports kind of at a loggerhead? 
you know, against each other. No, I, I think you're right on that one. I think um, when when the thing we're calling mixed martial arts, which again, it's basically the UFC, uh, when that started, they were pretty synonymous. Uh, and I think there's been a, a speciation as time has gone on, and you're always going to have hybrids in between the two, but I, I think they've become separate things. Again, to use your analogy, kind of like boxing. If you go back and read the history of boxing, you know, um, all the rules that were in boxing are there because before those rules were there, people were doing throws, they were doing kicks, they were doing headbutts. You know, so all the stuff that we kind of think about in mixed martial arts was in boxing originally until we took them out. But, yeah, I think... Um, and again, they have their own separate values, but I think mixed martial arts has one set of values, one set of ideas, and traditional martial arts has a second set that isn't necessarily um, mutually exclusive with the MMA, but they have a different priority set. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Literally, the only thing that matters in, to mixed martial arts training is, will it help me get through my next fight? So, in mm. some ways, I think there are... Uh, there are superiority ideas or superior ideas in mixed martial arts in it has to be something that works 99% of the time. <laughs> um, their fitness is probably better than 99% of martial artists that I know. Um, hmm. And they, they take their nutrition and all everything that goes along with that much more seriously, because like you said, they're, they're more like professional athletes than someone who's on a battlefield. I'll put it that way. Whereas, yeah, exactly. Where you know the traditional martial arts, we're still kind of thinking along the same lines of battlefield or you know rooftop battle type of things. So I think there's a different mm -hmm. mindset into what's going in into the the training of it. Rooftop battles. Yep. <laughs> well, you know that's what, that's the the story behind how Bruce Lee you know started getting trained, and then the idea is he hurt someone really bad who was like a, what was it like the police chief's son or something like that and he had to run for San Francisco <laughs> so that that's why I keep bringing that one up but oh okay so i guess uh yeah i mean it's 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 i guess it's something i've been thinking about a lot but you know like i said i haven't really put enough thought into it to really put my finger on it but i feel like you know in in the past the traditional martial arts served a specific purpose and now, today in the modern world, and past, by past, I, I mean only a mere 20, 30 years ago, and, which, and, and it may or may not serve a different purpose today. So I guess kind of a broad general, general question, but uh, what, what is the place of traditional martial arts today? Well, I, I, I honestly, I think the, you know, we were talking about Aikido is only about 100 years old. Well, it's less than 100 years old. The official start is actually 1942 for when he called it Aikido because it kind of went through a couple of different iterations there. Um, mm -hmm. Judo is, you know, right about turn of the century. Uh, kendo, you know, those are all relatively modern arts. But I think the Japanese had it right in that they went from the jutsu to the do, you know, like jujitsu to judo or aikijitsu to aikido, kenjutsu to kendo. I think they had it right in that the training methods are the important part. Uh, the self-discipline and uh, the mental attitudes that come around from the training, from this physical activity. <clears throat> but you don't need to necessarily have to be killing people on the battlefield and, you know, breaking your opponent's bones in the classroom. So <laughs> I think there was a shift in, in, you know, will this let me survive tomorrow versus how do I make myself better in the next 20 years? So and I think they have that right on that. Um, and I think that's why martial arts, even, the, uh, even karate, which is technically it's a karate do, uh, 
is technically the name of it. It's not karate jitsu, but um, I think they had it right when they did that because we live in an incredibly safe place uh, for most of us in the modern world. I mean, you're, I'll put it this way. Uh, you have more of a chance of like dying from obesity than you do from being mugged. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that sure. aspect of it, they were definitely right. They were they're trying to help out. They were trying to take the the old ideas and apply them into our modern way of life. And I think that's where where it really comes in. Now, uh, sometimes you can take those older ideas and still use them for self defense. Um, but honestly, uh, and I'm stealing this term from uh, another martial artist, Ian Abernathy. He says that most of the martial arts that we do today are civilian martial arts. They're designed to work against unskilled opponents. They're not designed to go into the ring. Uh, that's not what they're made for. You know, it's like a screwdriver is a really crappy hammer, but it'll work if it needs to. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of the how traditional martial arts kind of does that. Um, it fills a lot of gaps that I think people are missing. Even something like um, a, a rite of passage that we lack in this culture, I think that effort of going towards a, you know, the illustrious black belt, the Shodan, uh, getting that kind of works as a rite of passage for a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, we don't have like uh, ritualistic facial scarring or uh, <laughs> you know any of that cool stuff. So. Well, Mike Tyson's got <laughs> that great tattoo. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, kind of talking about the the how the the martial arts of today, perceptions of today. Um, you know, one thing that that I have noticed, and uh, you know, first I'll give you the generalization, then I'll kind of give you the, the the question. But you know, we we have more we have access to more information now than at any other time in all of human history, probably combined. And yet, despite that, people just seem to be kind of getting a little bit dumber. And so, <laughs> my my so I'm kind of curious. Uh, you know, as far as the martial arts is concerned. You know, there's so much information out there, and I remember back in the, you know, the the 90s, uh, where the information just wasn't there. So there was a lot of hearsay. There was a lot of platitudes being spoken by teachers. There was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of BS information, which which I, you know, I think for the most part was 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 uh, uh, well meant, but it was probably BS. They just didn't realize it. But you know, between then and now, the amount of information there's so much information available. Um, you know, I I. I <laughs> I don't want to crap on, on traditional martial arts because I, I understand that they just didn't have the information at their fingertips So and you know because I was part of it and I believed a lot of it. But <laughs> nowadays with all the information that, that is out there, are, are you seeing less of that, like less of the platitudes and less of the, less of the sort of pseudo-philosophy and less of the, I don't know, the, the kind of this misinformation or, or is it just still kind of there because that's what people do? If, if people want it, they can find it. Um, there's still people that, it, it, in the Aikido world, there's people that are, do no-touch Aikido, where they just kind of point at them and they fall down type of stuff. And and it's still... Wow. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it amazes me that how much brainwashing is involved in that. <laughs> Again, it depends on what you're looking for. Aikido can be, and I'm using mine just because I happen to know more about that one, Aikido can be a, a very good self-defense art, it can be a very good mental practice art, or it can be kind of just a old people doing Tai Chi in the park type of thing, where it's more just about the physical movement and there isn't as much martialness behind it. More art than martial, I'll put it that way. So you can still see that, and I think it depends on what the what the goal in the training is and what the instructor does, too. So the instructor makes much more of a difference than the actual art does. 
Oh, absolutely. You do see the people, but a lot of times YouTube was allows you to call bullshit pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, if you're putting yeah. your stuff up on YouTube, you can usually um, anybody with a half a mind can usually can uh, pull it out and say, nope, that's that's that no touch Aikido doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So now that you you know kind of getting into the teaching side of things too. I think that this is a really fascinating subject for me because when I was in the martial arts, we, we've kind of talked about this, but my, my sensei was uh, pretty brutal. I mean, he was a great guy. He was a hilarious, great guy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, his, his philosophy, I, I guess, was kind of, uh, you know, he's not going to be responsible for us getting our asses kicked. So he was, he was super tough on us. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that we did, <laughs> I, I don't think that the helicopter moms of today would, would ever put up with. So I guess my question is, and this I, I find this a really, it, it, I don't really know how to uh, how you would really teach nowadays because yeah. my you know I, I you know it's like how do you if 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 you, okay you're a teacher you have a student now let's say you know obviously you you take it you you five year olds and eight year olds are different than fifteen year olds and twenty year olds but you know if you're if you're teaching and you're trying to make a living and see that's my that's really where where what it comes down. To too for me is if you want to make a living as a martial arts instructor how do you balance what you're teaching and and how you're teaching with preserving your student body you know yeah. and how do you balance that because if you're training someone to fight which i know is is only a sm only one aspect of the martial arts but you know if if that's what you're doing because in practice that's kind of what you're doing how do you balance that with oh well you know if I go too hard then they're gonna quit and I'm out you know sixty bucks a month for the student or whatever so <laughs> right. and I think it's it's, it's it's I mean it's really an important thing to to be aware of and a really an important thing to confront but how the hell do you do that how do you do it because I just can't really see it I, I find I feel like if I was a martial arts teacher I would have very few students <laughs> I would have a very few I'd have a, a small group of very good students <laughs> but but I, I really don't know how you could balance you know, teaching and with preserving, you know, m making a buck, I guess. Yeah, in, in, and this, again, this is my own definitions for it, but in our school I kind of break people into two groups. One are people that practice martial arts, and the other are martial artists. So the people that practice are the guys that are, come in on, you know, because it's Tuesday, <laughs> and that's what they're scheduled <laughs> to do. You know, it could be it's just an evening activity for them. And those are the people that, like you said, you're, You'll push them farther than they want to go, but not to the point that, and I understand your point, is that it really does seem like martial arts in particular has been watered down over the years, you know, not the austere training that we used to have. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that so much as if you're going to try to make a buck and you're worried, about, and, and our today's modern society of like, oh, uh, you know, make sure you pure all your hands every five minutes and stay away <laughs> from the peanut butter, you know, <laughs> how do you balance that? attitude with with uh you know teaching someone essentially to fight i mean obviously again it's more than that but we're you know keeping it basic um you know you're essentially teaching someone how to fight yeah i mean you have to put the martial into it otherwise it, it might as well be dancing in pajamas so <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly there is that part and every person's a little bit different i think there's a great statistic i think it was in um actually lawrence kane's book now i think about it he talked about how basically about one in every hundred students will will be with you. It's from you know every hundred students that walks in the door, one of them will be with you in two years. So Jeez. yeah, that's a pretty high dropout rate. 
Um, yeah, actually, I guess I did. I did see essentially that when I was. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose I can see that. Yeah. So you know, and you might have like two or three people that stay that long, but that means there was two or three hundred other people that didn't stay that long. Um, right. So in some ways, it kind of self weeds itself out. If you're going to a dojo where it, it's a, a, you know, harder physical training, and that's not what you're into, then, well, go try a different dojo. There's enough of them around here. So in some ways, it kind of self weeds itself, um, the parents out, or you know, the people out that don't want to do that. But then, really, what they don't want is a martial art. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's again, there's some people that do. I don't know, not to speak bad on, it, but Aikido almost like a like a new age exercise type of thing rather than a martial art. So it depends exactly where you go. And if that's what you're interested in, if that's the part that you want to get out of it, great, then do that. If you want to learn it as a self-defense, well, then there's another place for that. So it depends on what you want going into it. How do you make a buck doing it? Well, you kind of have to find your own niche. If your niche is the, the new age crystal Aikido, then go for it. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose if you go in knowing what it takes, I suppose it's not so bad. I just kind of feel feel like, well... Well, let, 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 let me see, put it this uh, way. I think most people that are going to a martial art want to challenge themselves in some way. You know, they want to do something more than what's going on in their lives right now. Um, it could be physical. It could be the mental part of it. It could just be the, you know, now that I'm 40, I want to learn new skills again, you know, because I haven't been in school for 20-something years. <laughs> So I think it, mm. most people that are going into it, and again, like I said, we kind of have that gulf in the middle where people high school and college age, uh, at least at our dojo, weren't really there that much. It seems to be that once you hit about 25, that's when you want to start learning martial arts again. So I think at that point, you have a mature enough mind that you know what you're getting into. So with that in mind, you know, as a, as a as a teacher, how does one, you know, in a, in a way, you're 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 I guess if if a student comes in expecting that they're going to learn to defend themselves, um, and you know this, I, I feel like maybe this is something that has changed too in the past 20, 30 years. Is in the past, like that's the expectation was, I'm going to do taekwondo or I'm going to do karate and and I'll learn to fight, I'll learn to defend myself. I don't know if that's still the, specifically the case nowadays. But that being said, you know, as a teacher, you're sort of, it's sort of your responsibility to be an effective teacher because if if your student gets into trouble and they get you know they get killed or broken bones or something it's kind of that's kind of on you yeah there's an ethical part of i mean it, it's, yeah. it's 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 on it's on the student of course but you know morally and ethically it's kind of like you're the one who's teaching so and i don't know how, how does a how does a teacher balance that because i mean that's a i feel like that's a pretty big responsibility i mean again it really depends on the student's uh reason for being there but you know at the same time what, i don't know how, how does this how does a teacher deal with that well, uh, again, I'm speaking mainly about our school because that's my experience, but our, our goal is within six months, you can do enough that you can get away from something. So, hmm. it, you know, it's not Karate Kid where you have to beat the four bullies. It's can I do enough that I can run away to get someplace where there's lights and a payphone or, well, I don't have payphones, but I can get a cell signal. How's that? Payphone, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, that's more of our goal for the first six months. And... Compared to people that don't have any skill or, you know, like you said, aren't used to being punched in the face, a little bit of skill goes a long way. And, and of course, there's always the physicality part of it, too. You know, I, the physical fitness makes much more of a difference, I think, than, than the techniques do. But if all things are being equal, that technique makes a much more difference than no technique. So 
Yeah, it's 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 kind of baby steps. You have to get them ready to be able to learn to do stuff that is important. You know, like you said, the the actual self-defense. And some of it's mental. You know, can you poke a finger in a guy's eye? You know, some people will say yes. Some people say no. Some people go, I think I can. And then when it really happens, they go, nope, I can't do it. So some, mm. of, it, <laughs> some of it's yeah, more exactly. um, the mental part of it, like, again, pushing their boundaries. What can they do? What are they willing to do? Um, and it, that's a process. You know, it, it, in, in all essence, it's just like learning anything else. You know, if you're learning math, you don't start with calculus. You know, you have to start with the baby steps and work them up to get to the point where they can, you know, start thinking about what calculus actually is. And that's kind of the same way with martial arts is, you know, you don't do the flying, leaping, backflip kicks on the second day of class. Yeah, it's like, okay, this is how to stand correctly. That type of thing. And this is how to fall. Right. <laughs> the most important <laughs> skill I've ever learned was how to fall in class. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I think, that's a, I think that's an important concept. And, and probably the first thing that you should just tell any student is, is uh, you know, step one is, is you defend yourself long enough to get away. Because, you know, when I was thinking, I, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, when I first started martial arts, and even as I was doing it, I was, I was my... My whole assumption was like, okay, this is you, you're just going toe to toe with whatever happens. So, you know, re retreating wasn't actually uh, ever really an option. <laughs> yeah, you expect to <laughs> Not be. Not it wasn't an option, but it wasn't something that I had actually considered or thought about. If you know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're expect to be the guy standing with the bodies littered around you, right? <laughs> yeah, which maybe is just the 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 particular you know like the the goju <laughs> style of karate. Maybe that's the sort of the mindset. But um, you know, if someone had actually said to me like. You know, step one, you know, you you, you uh, get to the point where you can defend yourself long enough to get away. You know, it's not that someone will completely overpower you and beat you to death, right. but you can defend yourself enough to get away. That's an important because that actually lowers the expectations. That actually is is a is a as an attainable goal. That I think if a student's been is kind of made implicitly aware of that sort of step one in this the process as you go, I think that's actually a really good way to do it, and it never actually occurred to me, so <laughs> bravo. <laughs> yeah, and then you can add different things. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing now if you have, you know, your wife with you, or, you know, you have a kid in your arm, or, you know, you can add a lot of complications to just that idea of get away. Yeah. I mean, before you even and bring weapons into it. Yeah, yeah. I should, uh, should a student, uh, you know, who, who starts a martial art, is that a, is that... That's sort of an expectation they should go in with is that I'm going to learn to fight and defend myself. Is that is that a is is that, is that the mindset that that someone normally brings in and or should normally bring in? <laughs> well, I think most people have. Again, you go, going back to the idea of you know what what people think the martial arts are. I think that's part of it. Is they expect to be, you know, like I said, the guy standing with the littered bodies around his feet. You know, <laughs> kind of the movie <laughs> idea of it. Um, and and then they realize just how much work it is, you know. It's not just a montage. You actually have to put in, you know, years of training to get to anywhere near that. You know, and even the, the, the best people in the world still screw up and, you know, get kicked occasionally. <laughs> but um, should they have that idea? That's probably what got them into martial arts in the first place. So, yeah, go for that part of it. But that might also explain the, you know, the, the 1% that stays is because everyone else goes, man, that's really hard work. I don't... I can do something easier than this. Yeah, I guess I guess I was thinking like, is that a realistic? Is that realistic to to be like, I'm gonna and I'm going to start the martial arts to to fight and defend myself and and as the number one goal. I mean, 
Eh, I guess it kind of depends on the person. I, I guess I'm mentoring my own question, but well, it's, it's, no, I don't know. even though I'm uh, like your your goju karate, there's a huge amount of good self defense in there. Um, and again, it depends on what you consider the self defense. If it's a really good self defense school, they're teaching. Uh, this is a good way I heard it put: is uh, self defense or uh, martial arts is what happens when self defense fails. So, if it's a good school. <laughs> They should be teaching you, you know, what to pay attention to when people are around you. You know, how to uh, think about things and, you know, little stupid things like I, <laughs> I always check the backseat of my car before I get in, you know, as I'm walking behind my car. Stupid little things like that. You know, I have my, my keys in my hand before I get to my car so I'm not fumbling in my pockets. I'm holding them in my uh, fingers in just the right way so if I needed to, I could use them as a makeshift weapon stabbing someone. You know, little things yeah. like that. That's that's self-defense. Then you can get it to the martial arts part where, well, if I need to, I can lock a guy's arm up. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. I uh, I always check my back seat because I saw the movie Let the Right One In. Yep. The crazy guy <laughs> in the back seat who would, like, kill you for the vampire or whatever. But, <laughs> now, um, did you watch the, Nor yeah, you know, the Norwegian one or the, the American one? Uh, no, I watched the American one. Uh, uh, the Nor the Norwegian one's better. One yeah, that's what I've heard. But uh, that's why I check my back seat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, that's an interesting point, and and you know that's one of those things. It's like when you're a teenager learning the martial arts, you don't think of any of this stuff, right? And unless, even though it's obvious, unless someone actually points it out to you, you just don't you don't get it. I mean, the whole idea of like uh, uh, you know situational awareness and uh, everything else is uh, um, like, for example, uh, over the summers uh, or one summer I should say, I did uh, uh, shorting style karate, mm -hmm. and uh, that. Sensei basically he took an entire class to basically talk about the, the self defense laws of the area, you know, right. the, the county or the state, whatever it was, I don't remember, but where he's like, Okay, well, you know, how do you know you're in a, you're in a fight? Legally, what is a fight? Legally, when are you legally allowed to defend yourself? And he went through the whole top to bottom and because he said, What's the most difficult thing about a fight? Well, the most difficult thing about a fight is when does it actually start? You know, when when are you considered in a fight legally so that you're legally able to defend yourself? <laughs> well So he basically Mm -hmm. I was going to say, one of the little things we tell our students is if you get into a fight and there's anybody there, no matter what you do, keep yelling, stop, don't hurt me, let me go. <laughs> doesn't matter if you're punching the guy in the face. It's one of those little things. <laughs> Witnesses remember what they hear better than what they see, especially in martial sure, arts yeah. where they, you know, they don't really know what they're looking at anyway. But, you know, stupid yeah. little things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, there's, there's so much more to, to martial arts and self-defense than simply throwing a punch or a kick. and. Unless you're actually made aware of it, most people might not even realize it. I mean, even if it's something just spectacularly obvious, like, well, when does the fight actually start? Well, you know, is it when a punch is thrown? Is it when someone grabs you? When does it actually start? You know. So, and, and if you're in a, if you actually are a martial artist, right? This is the way it's explained to me: is um, if something does happen, you go to court. The other lawyer is going to look at you and go, "Well, are you a martial artist? Yes. Do you train to hit people? Yes. Well, do you hit people in class very hard?" Well, no. Well, then you know how to restrain yourself, and therefore you did excessive violence on my client. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as you're a martial arts, you're kind of damned already. Yeah, which is why you need to be aware of of all the laws and everything. But, right. You know, th those are the kind of things that. Uh, uh, you know, I never I I came across every now and then, and it's like you you hear it, and it's like wow, it's a revelation. Like you, it never even occurred to you. I'm like, well, none of that actually occurred to me until it was actually said to me, like made obvious to me. Well, yeah, it was about um. I, I, at the point, I'd been studying martial arts for about 10 years, and I said, okay, well, 
I kind of got the physical stuff down. Now let me start looking at all this other stuff. And um, uh, Rory Miller's book, Facing Violence, actually kind of made me relook at everything I was doing martial arts because that was kind of one of the things he talked about was, you know, the legal aspect of it. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you may have survived, but, you know, now you've got $100,000 in lawyer bills. Congratulations. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been better to run away now? Yeah, exactly. You know, now now, sort of the, the second sort of part of, of, you know, what I wanted to talk to you about with uh, teaching martial arts is, and you've actually covered this in your... Uh, podcast as well, but the ranking system and how how to decide when to promote someone, you know, when someone's ready, do you do it on a schedule, do you pick and choose? The reason I ask is because actually it's kind of funny, My uh, a friend of mine, his son does some form of martial arts, I'm not sure what, and it, like clockwork, he's like eight or, or seven or something, every every three <laughs> months he gets another stripe, and then every every 12 months he gets a belt, and it's like, it's kind of crazy, like every two to three months he's getting a stripe, every, you know, every... Right. Eight, you know, in eight months he gets a belt, and it's just like, really? He's six. At this rate, he'll have a black belt by nine. You know, it's it, it seems really. Ah, I, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but I mean, it seems really odd that you're gonna be just throwing out ranks like that to some little kid. You know, and I don't know what I don't, what is your I guess first part of the question I guess is what is your feeling on on ranking for children versus ranking for adults because i feel like there's a big gap between a, a nine-year-old black belt and a 19-year-old black belt <laughs> yeah a little bit maybe it's just me but i just <laughs> seems like there's a little bit of a difference there yeah i know i they i have the google you know send me martial arts news and it seems like every other week there's a new youngest martial art black belt in the world or you know whatever it is I, i'll put it this way because i've i'm getting ready or hopefully i'm getting ready to start teaching martial arts at the local you know ymca here and which would be mainly kids, and I understand the the attention span for kids is so short that if you said you're going to test in a year, it would mean nothing to them. So, saying, look, in three months, you know, three weeks, this is what we're going to do, and having these little incremental steps, I can understand the idea, but at the same time, yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> that nine-year-old is he might be able to to mimic the moves perfectly, but he doesn't know what they are. There's no way he can tell me what he's doing or why he's doing them, I guess I should say, or how they fit together to be a martial art. So they can get the physical part of it, but I don't think they can get any of the other part of it. Are, uh, are traditional martial arts so constrictive that you couldn't kind of have separate ranking systems for people under a certain age and people over a certain age? Well, and a lot of schools I, I, I do I know that. It's, it's, of course, traditional. Well, okay. I, I didn't really know that. I thought I was, I kind of felt like, well, if it's traditional school, if you earn a particular belt when you're nine, it'll be just as valid when you're 19, so make them a black belt at 10, and they can just keep on learning. I don't know. Well, in, in our system, we have um, the, the kids' ranks are their own separate ranks. They, It's not like, you know, well, you're 15, you're in the adult class, now you're still a black belt, you know, go for it. <laughs> um, they actually... We give you the you'll, you'll have your kids your junior black belt is the way they phrase it in our school, and you're allowed to kind of line up in the same order, but at the same time, you're not a black belt. You have to retest for everything. You can still keep your actual little kid, uh, your junior black belt on, but you have to go through the adult testing now. So, and it's basically it's kind of like you were saying it's the standards on the test. You know, if if the kid can actually do the kata, if he can, you know tell me what a high block is and do that, you know, 10 times or whatever the, the test is, then that's good enough for that kid. And 
For an adult, no, we want to see more than that. We want to see how would you use it? What's the purpose of it? You know, do one when someone's actually trying to hit you in the head type of thing. So they are able to do the the technique, but they don't necessarily have to do the application of the technique. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Hmm. So how does it work then? If, if you're, you start when you're six and you get your junior black belt at 10, and then what do you do? At some point, do you, do you kind of revert to uh, a lower rank, although you keep the, the belt, and then, but you just have to test your way up to, uh, to like a, an adult black belt? Or how does it work? Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what it is. So we have um, one of the kids that literally had been with us, I think, since he was eight. And by the time he was 16, 17, he had his junior black belt. So when you became starting to go into, well, first of all, when you're that old and, and you have the junior rank, then you actually uh, you help teach the kids. So that's part mm -hmm. of the, the, the rank and privilege of having the, the junior black belt is you're a higher rank amongst you know, the kid group. But at the same time, you're transitioning and you're taking classes in the adult class. So you still are allowed to wear the junior black belt and you still are you know, treated the respect of that, but you're kind of bumped down a couple of notches as far as, you know, where you stand in line type of thing. So it'd be about halfway up. I think it's like a green belt type of thing. Okay. Is there, is there like a visual cue to the belt that would indicate that it's junior as opposed to adult? Or Yeah, we use, um, in our system, we have uh, people's names kind of stitched into the belt, and we use a different color stitching just to uh, oh, okay. kind of signify that, like you said. Huh. Okay, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. But yeah, um, that, makes, that makes more sense uh, because uh, my experience has always been like, you know, in, what have I done? One, two, three, four, about four different martial arts. And uh, each time it's kind of like age doesn't really matter. And if you get your black belt at 12, you know, or I think the youngest kid, yeah, I think the youngest kid that I remember was 12. So it's like if you get your black belt at 12, well, you're a 12 year old black belt. <laughs> well, you know, there's the other right? side is, so. is what's called the McDojos, where. The, oh God! You know where they have to. Pay. I want. I do want to talk about that too. Actually, that's that's a big interesting <laughs> thing to me. So, I, I, go ahead. I, I've been lucky enough in that in my martial arts experience, I've never encountered one. But even people in our system, I've asked them. I said, "Well, have you ever done that?" And they'd stare at me and go, "Yeah, we've done that." Um, <laughs> it, it's where you know. The, yeah, just through sheer dumb luck, I never came across it. Um, and the idea is, you know, like you were talking about, where they're testing every three months, and they have a testing fee every three months. So. Yeah. That doesn't cost the instructor anything more, so it's basically, you know, not taken away from the instructor, but it's uh it's a money making uh establishment, I'll put it that way. And if they start talking about uh, you know, how to tell if it's a McDojo, five steps to tell if it's a McDojo. Um, you know, if they start talking about, you know, if you pay for two years, we'll guarantee you a black belt by then, type of thing. You know, where right. yeah. <laughs> I that's what actually one of the people told me. That's what they said. And that's where they kinda went, Ugh. Okay, I better get going then. You know, yeah, that's like a mail-order diploma. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, not to take you anything know, away from it. 1995, and we'll send you your computer engineering, uh, <laughs> computer science degree. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there, there's also, you know, to take it to the other extreme is there's also almost, well, there are cult martial artists, too, where, you know, it takes it in some really weird directions. So, you know, you kind of got to balance how you feel about the place. Yeah, the uh, this whole McDojo thing. I mean, see, I guess that I guess maybe that's more along the lines of what I was thinking of when I was asking you about balancing, uh, you know, money with with uh, actually teaching an effective martial art. But right. I guess they they don't give a fuck. Just, <laughs> they're, they're just like you paying me money. I don't care. Get your ass kicked. Whatever. But uh, well, you know, um, going back to the the ranking thing. The ranking again. That's 
that's a pretty new thing in martial arts. I mean, um, Jigoro Kano, who is the guy who kind of developed what we think of as judo, is the guy who kind of created that, and that was for his judo competitions. He kind of broke everybody up into black belts and non-black belts. And then he started making small divisions within that to, to kind of align where everyone's skill level was. But, you know, that was still, that was the beginning of the 1900s, I think, was when we started doing colored belts. I mean, before that... Yeah, but you don't see nowadays, though, that it's, it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> concurrent skill levels. It's more like you're just bumping up in the ranks and someone else is bumping up in the ranks. It's not like, well, you can guarantee if someone is like a, I don't know, green belt, two brown stripes, or whatever your system happens to be, then they should know this, 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 and that. I guess in a way, yes, but at the same time... It's more like time put levels, into it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a little more along the lines of time than actual. I mean, skill obviously has to be there, but it it it. it I feel like time has more weight than anything else. And it depends on the thing. I mean, again, in our system, we have specific. You know, you have to do these techniques, and you have to do them to the approval of at least. Well, we have a a board that kind of sits in front, and, and literally, we pull out, pull, out, pull out pen and paper and judge you. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to impress enough of the people and say you're at the appropriate level. You're doing the technique at a green belt level, or you're doing the technique at a brown belt level, whatever it happens to be. So, yeah, you know, I like the idea of a lot more discretion on the part of the teacher uh, as far as rankings and testing. I really like the idea of discretion, <laughs> but you know, it, it as a student though, just like, like making making these these incremental achievement steps just means so much. Yeah, it's really hard to balance. The, you know, like you, you, a teacher could be like, uh, you know, like test one person in four months, but test someone else in like nine months, and both these students could have the equivalent skill level because he's actually paying attention. And, you know, <laughs> one might be like, feel like, oh, gee, it took me eight months to get that. You know, although, you know, you do get the achievement of actually achieving it or the feeling of receiving it. But, well, there's a. Yeah, there's, it's, it's tough. There's, there's a great quote, and I think it's, it's by one of the Graces. I can't remember which one. I think it's, I think it's uh, uh, Henzo Gracie. He said, look, a black belt only covers two inches of your ass. You have to cover the rest. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So, you know, uh, the ranking only means, it only means something within your specific system. It doesn't even transfer, like, between different Aikido schools or, you know, d different Judo schools. It's only something within your specific recognition. It says, you have met these specific requirements. So... I, and, and again, I understand why they're there, and I understand it, but if, if this was, you know, my system and I was, you know, I'd actually go back to more of the way they did, you know, the samurai did it. You know, it's not like you saw two samurai facing off going, you know, I'm a green belt, I'm a black belt, haha, -ha, I'm better. <laughs> you know, they had um, <laughs> uh, a Menkyo system where basically an instructor said, yeah, okay, exactly. you know enough, I'm giving you permission to actually say you know the system. So, right. Uh, I would think that would be, but you know that kind of makes it again kind of a, a secret organization and cultish, and uh, that's something that Americans don't like. We <laughs> we really have this freedom of information idea where everyone has the right to information. So yeah, I mean uh, it's kind of tough because I know I remember as a student I was always thinking like, well, it always seemed like, you know, I I, I wanted that the achievement, it's like, well, I, when I knew a test was coming up or whatever, and, uh, you know, then I would actually take the test and get the rank, whatever. You know, oh, that's great, but, you know, if I really think about it, it's like, well, it took me, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, about two years maybe to get a green belt, but I was, if I remember correctly, but I was super motivated, though I was putting in, like, 10 hours a week in the dojo, and, mm -hmm. you know, I would go basically walk from school to the dojo, I'd be there two hours before the class, two hours before the class, whatever, so, I mean, I was there, I guess, technically, I was there about 20 hours a week, <laughs> but... <laughs> it was a part-time job. Uh, 
Yeah, basically. I mean, I got a key to the dojo and I just go. But I don't know. It, it's it's really tough because I feel like you kind of do need the motivation of of getting rank. But at the at the same time, though, wouldn't it be kind of cool if, you know, wow, you've been working at it for for a year and nothing's happening, and then suddenly you get a test and you you actually make it. Doesn't that feel a bit more of an achievement than, well, three months have gone by, time for another test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, being in the education business, you know, being a high school teacher, uh, we seem to be emphasizing these, you know, short-term achievements rather than, you know, take a test at the end of the year to show that you know everything type of thing. So yeah. um, maybe that's just, you know, short attention span theater kicking in in, in everything in America. <laughs> well, your knowledge level will fluctuate over the course of a year, I suppose, sure. depending on what you're studying, but... I don't know. I feel like maybe uh, uh, the 10Q system is to, is for for the fast food mentality of of Americans. Maybe it should be a, a 20 or 30Q system, so that <laughs> well, you can you can increase in rank. You know, every you you know, so you uh, you put enough time in, in like kind of like a union, you get to stand further towards the front of the line. Uh, but you know, since it's 30 ranks instead of 10, you know, it takes it takes maybe the equivalent of you know what it would take a really skillful person to get a black belt, but you you're getting more ranks. You know, over right the in the meantime, of the time, so it, you actually, so you get, so you feel, get that feeling of achievement. Well, what are the things I, don't know. I, I mean, I would probably make up my own ranking system like that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> See, more testing fees. There you go. You're your own McDojo. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't remember ever paying a, a, a fee. I don't think I ever paid a fee. <laughs> well, maybe that's part of the newer part of it then. Um, what I was going to say is, yeah, you know, we were talking about the, you know, these incremental achievements, and I think, again, as part of the education idea. Um, when you're a beginning student, the thing that works best is it doesn't matter how good it is. It's just positive uh, reinforcement. You know, yes, you're doing the right, right thing. Here, you're coming in. Once you get to some point, you start wanting actual criticism. Now, how do I make it better? Don't just tell, you know, don't just <laughs> blow smoke up my ass. Tell me how I actually make it better. Um, and I, so I think that's why that, that 10 is kind of about right. Because it gives you enough kind of beginning ones to kind of go through those and, you know, yes, I'm doing the right steps. And, and personally what I found is once you get past that, you you really stop caring about the rank. It's what do I know? Yeah, you know, it's probably early on. And it's like if, you, if you're only there to get rank, then you're wasting your time anyway. So, yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, I, 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 especially once you get to black belt, then you're like, well, I've got years before I get to test again anyway. So... <laughs> Might well, I, well. Think, I think the, the 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 biggest disservice to martial artists is the mystique of the black belt. Yeah, seriously, I yes. think that's that's probably the biggest disservice to martial arts in general. Because if black belt was just another rank, then it wouldn't be such a big deal, you know. And if it wasn't such a big deal, then people wouldn't put so much stock in the ranks. Well, it, it's this is the best way to think of it. Is it's kind of equivalent to a high school diploma, in, in that it says now you know enough that you can actually start learning some real things and how things work. So <laughs> yeah, but no one else, no, no one actually knows that. No, right. no, no, no lay people know that. They just assume, oh, black belt, you're the highest. You, you have achieved <laughs> you're the a highest God. pinnacle of the martial arts. Exactly. <laughs> you have achieved the pinnacle of martial arts. Now get down to the, uh, get down to the town hall and register your hands as deadly weapons. <laughs> Got to grow that white beard and go live on a mountain somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I really feel like it's kind of a disservice because. You know that that there's so much has been put on having a black belt, and so much has been put on a black belt. It's kind of like people get there and like, okay, I did what I was going to do, and all done. Yeah, that. Um, or, and it's like that. That's technically. The... I mean, that really should be. That's that. That's technically step one. It's like, okay, now that you have the black belt, now you're now, you can teach. Now you 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 now is when you really start to learn because you've mastered all the basics. <laughs> I was reading. Um, 
I don't even remember where I was reading this one, but they're talking about uh, it, it's a modern, well, it's a traditional spear system that's actually still being taught in Japan. And they had the different steps. And after about two years, they said, okay, now you can be a student. And they gave him his white belt. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. that, that's going to the other extreme end of it. But <laughs> so he, he was there for two years <laughs> practicing and, and finally was able to become the beginning student. <laughs> Wow, sounds like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like every every night every night for six months he stands on the stoop. Yep. <laughs> please let me be your please let me be your student. No, go away. Please let me be your student. No, go away. And then six months later, oh, okay, come in. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, I actually met somebody who essentially did that. <laughs> um, he he found a martial arts instructor and, and kind of dismissed him because he was kind of this old weak Chinese guy, and the Chinese guy kind of blew him away and knocked him down, and then he found out. <laughs> through a friend of a friend of a friend where he lived and actually went and waited outside his house. And the guy, he waited out cool. there, you know, day came, the guy opened his door and said, go away, close the door. Next day, he opened the door, <laughs> said, go away, close the door. <laughs> so, hey, that, it, it still ends up happening, so. Yeah, I had a friend in college who uh, told me when he was in high school, his friend's father was a, a philosopher, a doctor of philosophy. And every day they would go up to him and say, teach us philosophy. And he'd say, no, get out of here. Teach us philosophy. No, get out of here. And they did that for like six months. Finally, he's like, okay, here, read this book. And then they, they're like, no, we don't want to read. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was pretty much the end right there. <laughs> well, believe it or not, that's kind of the way martial arts works, too. When you really start yeah, getting yeah. into the way it works, then you get into the hard work part of it, and you're like, yeah. That's why, you know, talking about the 1% that, you know, are there in two years, you know, about 1% make it to black belt, and about Ten percent of that one percent make it to the next level, to a a nidan, to a second level degree or a second degree black belt. So it's kind of that goal is like, well, I got to my black belt, I'm good, I'm going home. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh yeah, there aren't. I mean, when you go to these martial arts, well, you know, nowadays I don't know, but back in the past, going to the martial arts tournaments, there weren't a lot of black belts. No, especially not a lot of high ranking black belts. I mean, you get first don, second don, third don, but you really don't see much more than that. That's why I've always I'm always skeptical when I hear like. It's Don in such and such. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, unless they're an actual, unless they're like the, you know, unless they're like, you know, the head of the organization, I, I find it hard to believe that someone's a ninth or tenth degree black belt. But it, it could happen. <sighs> well, uh, I, but I mean that. Uh, I've been doing martial arts mm -hmm. now for somewhere on the order of about eighteen years, something like that, and I'm a second degree black belt. So, <laughs> I mean, that's about how long it should take. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, my sensei, when we were doing it, he had been doing martial arts about I think about 24 years, and he was he he ju he he got his third degree black belt right. you know, while I was in high school. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, not it's, supposed uh, to be a yeah, quick thing. Yeah, it does slow. You know, I guess I guess the you know I guess the idea that well, once you actually reach the black belt, if you're someone who's willing to stick around, you're not going to be expecting another test every three months. You're you're willing <laughs> to put in the work. <laughs> right. And, and but, um, uh, you know, um, also. Hmm? I was going to say, okay. in some of the more traditional things, like in um, uh, the judo or the kendo, really, there's no tests after, I think it's fifth degree black belt. After that, it's hmm. how much achievement are you doing in the world of judo or kendo or whatever it happens to be. It's how much are you spreading it around the world? How much are you a goodwill ambassador towards it? Because at that point, you know, you should be doing all the physical parts right. It's up to the mental parts and the, the social part of it. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I I I believe in certain schools of jujitsu. Uh, you know, I I was at a martial, mixed martial arts event where the guy, you know, won. I think he put someone out with a 
a triangle choke, and uh, you know, then he got his belt right there in the cage. Basically, <laughs> his teacher came in and gave it to him. So, I mean, I suppose if you know, I guess uh, hey, a practical application. You know, <laughs> two green belts enter, one green belt leaves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, you know, I think another, I mean, an important, really, I, I think it's really important, and uh, you know, I, I guess people, <clears throat> parents may care or not, but I feel like you know, you really need to how? Okay, so let's put it this way. I mean, you could look at it either. You could either say, well, I, I could phrase this question two different ways. Say, okay, so what if you're a parent who has a child who's like, let's say, eight? That's a good age. Sure. How, what do you look for in a martial arts school? How do you make a decision? You know, you're, you're, you know, you're a reasonable adult. You're not worried about them, you know, getting kicked and punched, you know, and you want them to learn a martial art. What do you, what, how do you decide what they should be studying and, and what would you look for at a dojo? The whole, can you take us through the whole process? Because if someone needs to make that decision and they really want to take it seriously, I mean, it, there's a lot to it. So Yeah, my kid's uh, four, so I'm having to start thinking about that type of thing, you know. <laughs> what, what, what would I want to see in a, in a martial arts instructor? Um, honestly, you know, again, not to be too new agey about it, but there's a certain feel in dojos, and you can feel how um, positive they are. You know, is there a positive attitude? Again, in the psychology of it, kids don't work really well with negative reinforcement. They work well with positive reinforcement. Even if it's, look how good Johnny is doing his kicks. Why don't you be more like Johnny type of thing, you know? That's a positive reinforcement. That's as opposed to you're doing your kick wrong. That's negative reinforcement. So some sweep of the leg, Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> sweep the leg. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So Cobra Kai is an example where there's this extreme discipline. That uh, yeah. I suppose if you walk in and they say fear does not exist yeah. in this dojo, does it? No sensei. Yeah. I mean, there should be. You know, the kids should be enthusiastic and they should be smiling, but they should also be working hard and sweating. So you know you. And every person's got their own kind of balance on those four things. You know, how much discipline is there? How much sweating is there? How much smiling is there? You know, it, it depends on what you want. But honestly, ask the other parents. Talk to the sensei. Talk, um, the sensei makes a bigger difference than the actual art does. I, I, I really can't state that one enough. Mm, 100%, yeah. You know, most people end up, even if they, like, let's say, I, you know, I just moved uh, away from my sensei. I did Aikido for 20 years. Now I'm coming up to Nashville. If I don't like the Aikido school up here, I'm going to do something else. Just because the, you know, and I'm not saying that's what happens or anything, but no offense in you know, Aikido of Nashville. But uh, I'm just saying it, if it's not working for me, it could be they have a different idea of what Aikido is. It could be they just, there's a difference of what our goals are. So, it's what are your goals in the martial art? You know, do you want him to be winning trophies and competing? Do you want him to be learning self-discipline? Do you want him to be, you know, the little Shaolin kid who's able to stand with his leg over his head for an hour? You know, <laughs> you know, there's different parts of that. Okay, so once you kind of decide, okay, so let's say you decide, like, okay, this is what this is the style I'm interested in having my kid learn. And when you go to the dojo, okay, so what are you looking for? You walk in the door, and let's say you, you observe a class. What 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 are the things that you're looking for specifically? What would you look for? Um. Personally, uh, watch the behavior of the kids. It, you know, the best way to tell how good of a teacher is is to see what the kids are doing. You know, what are they learning? Are they, <laughs> you know, what happens when something doesn't go quite right? You know, how are they disciplining them? Um, you know, what happens if someone actually gets injured? You know, <laughs> does the sensei just say, yeah, walk it off, Johnny, or, <laughs> you know, rub some dirt <laughs> in it. That was always my favorite one from football. Rub some dirt in it. Um, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Or... Or are they actually, you know, paying attention to the individual kid? Are, 
if the kids are doing something badly, where they're physically hurting each other, you know, does the sensei stop it immediately? Or does he say, no, 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 work it out yourself, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> last one to cry loses, you know, <laughs> that type of thing, but... <laughs> Um, well, first one to cry loses. Yeah, first one to cry loses. <laughs> <laughs> if you can still stand afterwards, you win. Um, you know, it's it, yeah. I think it it really does help if you if you have martial arts experience, you're going to be way more sensitive to all the all the things. So I think it's important for someone who hasn't had any martial arts experience to know what to look for. Yeah, that's the thing is, unless you have unless you know what you're looking at in martial arts, you don't know if it's good or bad martial arts. You know, the actual techniques and the training of it, because. At the beginning, everyone's a complete novice, and they have no idea if it if it's good or bad, or realistic or non-realistic, or traditional or modern, or they they all have to start from somewhere. So, you know, be I'll put it this way: going back to the McDojo, be wary of anyone that makes you want to sign a contract for any long period of time, or you know, oh, wants God, all yeah. the money up front, or you know, something funky like that. I would I would also go so far as to say if their gut is hanging more than an inch over the black belt, then be wary. <laughs> yeah, if, if they don't look like they can do the techniques, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I've seen these these martial arts videos shared on the internet on YouTube. There's this one in particular that I remember that was like uh, uh, set against the Street Fighter Two soundtrack, the music, <laughs> you know, the fighting music, and it's like these these I mean, really these these dumpy looking black belts with like you know, floppy clothing and just messy clothing, just kind of like throwing kicks and punches at each other, but they're like really like a foot away from each crisp. other. It's, yeah, the foot away they're 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 weak, they're not crisp, they're poor technique, and they're bouncing back and forth. They look terrible. And it's like I'm even ashamed to be associated with the with the martial arts by just by watching this. Oh god, it's tr it's horrendous. I, I think I know exactly um, which video you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's hilarious, but it's also sickening <laughs> yeah it makes you cry but, it really does oh god i was i was i would give me the creeps but <laughs> i don't know i mean i guess i guess for my because i guess my experience like you know as a, as a kid I, I you know i don't understand these people who are like you know they don't really rem remember what it was like to be a kid They're like oh kids these days and they don't really remember their own experiences i have a pretty good memory of all mine and i do remember in the martial arts in uh, you know like as a 15 year old um you know, we were all extremely disciplined. You know, you tell us to line up, we'd immediately stop what we're doing, line up in, in perfect lines and all this and that. And it, it wasn't out of fear and it wasn't out of any, it was more out of like, we want to, you know, we, we, we want to, uh, you know, get his approval. We wanted right. the approval of our teacher. And so we were super disciplined to do what he said because not out of fear, but out of, I guess, respect. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and, you know, there was, there was joking around, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it was the right, right balance. No, I mean, but, you have, you yeah, have to be I mean, able to see the sweat and, yeah, honestly, laughter is a good sign, too. Um, I went into one Aikido school where it was just people practicing techniques in dead silence, and th mm. that's creepy for a whole other reason. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. that would be a little odd if no one's actually talking, if they're terrified to <laughs> speak a word. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was just it, it was a weird experience. Yeah, honestly, in our school, we, we laugh and we joke all the time. I mean, you kind of have to. I mean... Because, uh, you know, going back to it, it, it is a martial art. You're learning how to hurt people badly. So yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to take the edge off of that a little bit. No, oh, of course. Yeah, the, the, the gallows humor in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know. God, the whole, I, I guess the McDojo thing is more like a trap for, for parents who don't really care what their kids are doing. They just want them out of the house. So, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I kind of feel like their, their damage is, is their damage is kind of restricted to, you know, for the most part, to a, a, a population of people that 
don't really matter because they're not really going to be staying in it anyway. <laughs> well, it, you know, it kind of goes back but to a, a at couple the same other time, things. I, I completely disagree with it, but it kind of goes back to a couple other things in that there's people that are, you know, let's say the person who goes through the McDojo system and doesn't know anything, but then they get into a real situation and they think they know something. That puts them in a world of bad situations. I mean... <laughs> oh, of course. But it, would someone at a McDojo really think they're actually learning something? Or, well, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep getting promoted, so they must know something, right? <laughs> I guess. Um, I you know, and, and again, it depends. There's competition martial arts where, you know, you're doing the the best, whatever, flying back kick or whatever it happens to be, and you can do that. And for some people, that's what they want out of the martial arts. And I, again, more power to them. I couldn't do that part right now. <laughs> I probably couldn't <laughs> even do that in high school, but... You know, I, I get something different out of my martial arts. Because um, I think in order to be, a, and again, to use the word traditional martial arts, there has to be a mental and, for lack of a better term, spiritual component for the martial arts. There has to be this overarching philosophy. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I agree, too, that, uh, you know, martial arts is not just learning to throw a punch or a kick, but, you know, then you have, like, kata, and <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty adamant that, that that really is a part of the martial arts, but I, I guess it depends on the style. I mean, I don't know what kata is as far as, like, taekwondo goes or aikido, but, you know, I know as far as karate, I know I, I have a pretty well-informed understanding <laughs> of it, but I really think that it's, that's, an, that's, a, a very, that's an intrinsic part of the martial arts. I mean, it's not teaching you how to fight, but, and, and I, I don't even know if muscle memory, I don't really know so much as, you know, the, the usefulness even of that. But I do believe that just the discipline of it and, and sort of the achievement of learning it and using that as sort of a one of many, you know, guidelines for rank and this and that, I, I think it's an important aspect of the martial arts. I mean, I don't, I don't have a well-formed defense of it <laughs> but, uh, at the moment, but I, I do believe that it's a really an intrinsic part of the martial arts. Um, I, I, I think you're kind of on the same page, but what, what is your take on it? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I do Aikido, which doesn't have any uh, forms or, or katas, but, and, I, and initially I thought they were stupid, um, because like you said, <laughs> it's not something I could use in a fight, is always the argument against it. Well, yes and no. Um, I've actually, the longer I've been in martial arts, the more I've become a fan of kata. <laughs> I'm actually looking at, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at different martial arts up here, and I'm actually asking, you know, they say, what are you looking for? And it's like, well, I'm looking for forms. And that kind of gets a weird blank look from people. I don't know if that happens too often. People say, I'm looking for forms. I'm looking for that mm. long, dis difficult thing that you have to learn. <laughs> mm. yeah. uh, I, I, I really do think that, and again, I, I know the purpose of forms initially was to essentially put everything you need in a martial art into a way that's memorizable, uh, if that's a word. Yeah, well, I do agree that, uh, you know, in a way, putting together these combinations is important because you're not just going to throw a punch, reset, step back, you know, <laughs> block, block, and then step back, uh, you know, kick, then step back. It's, it's, everything's in combinations. And if, and if you're, even if, even if the specific combinations you're learning aren't effective in a fight, the fact that you're putting together chains, I think, is important. Yeah. But you know, in, in defense of kata as a martial as a, as a combat technique, uh, <laughs> in high school, I, I the the first the first two steps of uh, chudan ichi helped me knock someone out. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> see, it, that, so there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I I stepped out with the sanchin step, got in the sanchin stance, and <laughs> threw a, a straight 
uh, punch to the square into the solar plexus. The guy went down and didn't get up. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, and then you were able so to run away. It was perfect. Yeah, well, I, I walked away, but then, uh, yeah, and then I, I looked. I, I couldn't help but look back after about ten steps, and all of his friends were kind of staring at him, <laughs> and then looking at me, and then staring at him. Not see, one of them helped him up, which kind of shows you the kind of person he was. But see, the, you just <laughs> amplified that uh, black belt mystique right there. Yeah, well, the weird thing was, um, it is, uh, you know, it was just because he wasn't expecting me to actually hit him, so that's why I was able to do it, because, you know, a sunshine step and a middle, you know, middle strike, yeah, who knows how effective that would be, but I basically, literally, you know, in my, in my blind rage, went into kata mode and just hit him, well, and fortunately, that particular, that one specific thing, technique in that one specific situation worked beautifully. <laughs> You'd be surprised how often one, once in a one, Once in a lifetime... Uh, you know, lucky, uh, l lucky situations where the the kata and the required technique both matched up. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised how often stories go around like that. It's, well, it was the one time that this would have worked. Well, yeah, then it worked, didn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a hundred and one scenarios where it would would have been a horrible choice, <laughs> but fortunately, in that one specific situation, it actually worked. <laughs> so, I yes, I'm. I'm actually a big proponent of kata. Um, I also do uh, kenjutsu, which is uh, Japanese swordsmanship, and that's mm. essentially all kata. So, <laughs> you know, we do... Oh, yeah. Does that include uh, iaido, the, the drawing of the sword? Yes. Uh, the way I kind of break it up is kenjutsu is all the sword, and iaido is just the drawing, cutting, and then resheathing, just kind of that, that repetitive right. form of motion. So yeah, I learned a small handful of those. Uh, uh, I think as a brown belt, uh, that was you know our, our sensei kind of big, threw in various extra things that he had picked up, and that was one of the things that we did a few of those. And I I, I thought that was fascinating because you know if you've never held a sword, it's 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 kind of amazing because it's it's really well balanced and and it feels really good in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we um we do um uh, mat cutting, you know where you roll up the mats and hmm. do uh, tamishi oh, yeah, yeah. Uh and if the, everyone their first cut is either they overcut and it, it you know they lean way too far forward cuz they're amazed how quickly and easily it cuts through the mat or their technique mm. is off and the sword bounces off it's amazing <laughs> it's a it's a 4 foot razor blade or 3 foot razor blade and it bounced off some straw <laughs> because mm. the technique wasn't right but you know so it's one mm. of the two things either their technique is good and they don't realize how how easy it is to cut through these things you know it, they put a lot of muscle into it and kind of <laughs> Over slice through it, or they bounce off, and it's really funny. And we all laugh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as far as like technique too, that's something I, I, I had noticed over the years. Is like some people, like you know, I don't know. I guess everyone has their strong points. It just seems like technique is one of those things. It's like if you know, it, it takes so much work to get the technique of, of a punch or a kick or a throw. I would assume, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, well, uh, I guess my my point is that uh, the the Someone has to be judging these techniques. And what do you do if you have a student who keeps coming in every day, month after month, year after year, and they're just not getting it? What do you do in that situation? Well, or does that really happen? I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, do they just give up and leave, or do they finally get better? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, it's almost a satori type of thing. You know, at some point they get the enlightenment. They get, oh, now I get how to do the the kick or the punch. Uh, hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's. They have to get better. I mean, there's always going to be incremental steps, and usually when you're doing the beginning stuff, you're it, it's literally it's just such gross motor movement that they're going to get better if they just do it a bunch. You know, once you get to you know right about the showdown level, the black belt level, that's when you actually have to start saying, okay, now I'm getting 
past the physical part. Now I actually have to be able to do the application of it. I have to know how it's connected. I have to be able to, like you said, do the chain of them. If this doesn't work, now what does it lead me into? So it starts to make it um, less of the kata and more of a a flowing experience where it's um, not a pre-arranged set of movements, but if this doesn't work, well, I have this, now it goes into that one, now it goes into that one, you know. It, it's the, the and it's in Zen too, but we have the idea of mushin, which is, you know, no mind. You know, don't think about it, but at the same time, do everything perfectly. So, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of yeah. influence in, especially Japanese martial arts and uh, uh, Zen Buddhism. They, they, they've been tied together for a, a while there. And actually, I'm reading a, a, a really good book, just to plug the book here for a second. It's called When Buddhists Attack, if you've ever read that one. Uh, oh, no, it, actually, it's a it's a pretty good history on um, how Zen Buddhism got kind of uh, introduced into the samurai culture and why it got introduced into it. So it's a good book on that one. Hmm. Okay. No, look into it. So as far as uh, as far as techniques go, um, you know, on that subject of, of martial arts techniques, well, what's been your experience in the past with the schools you studied at, uh, or even yourself, in, uh, as far as your opinion, on people who who will take a main martial art but they'll kind of maybe moonlight at other martial in different martial arts uh you know to kind of get more techniques and such i I know in the past when i first started that was kind of frowned upon generally although our sensei was kind of okay with it but i feel like nowadays with the availability of information you know in general i kind of feel like it's probably more accepted at this point is that still a taboo or like if you will not learn only at my dojo you must leave or (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um our system is is very open in that regard. Um, I asked Doc one time, our instructor, I said, hey, would you mind if I went and took a class with these guys? He goes, yeah, come back, tell us what you did. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I, I think as the information has flowed out more, more and more styles are realizing, well, you know, we all kind of do the same thing, so might as well talk mm. about it and see what the differences are, what the similarities. Well, why do you do it that way? You know, why do you step to the left? in this kata and we step to the right on the same kata you know that type of thing mm. um it, it if you're if you are a student and you want to do that i, I would suggest having a, a a primary art first one that you've gone through enough to where you i don't you don't necessarily have to get to the you know the black belt to the showdown level but to the point where you can know what the techniques are and, and how they go together um mm. and then you can you say well you know aikido is great and but my instructor isn't really good at teaching aikido ground fighting for example so i went to a brazilian jiu-jitsu school whatever it happens to be if it's a, a if it's a, a very good martial arts instructor they'll actually show you how aikido does ground fighting how aikido does strikes or how you know goju karate does um uh sweeps there's a lot of sweeps and and holds and throws that are hidden in the katas in the bunkai of the katas Ian Abernathy, uh, if you listen to his podcast at all, is, is great for talking about goju and how there's hidden sweeps and, and throws and locks in there. And then and it kind of goes back to the, the benefit of the kata is once you realize, you know, that isn't necessarily a punch, that's actually a grab and I'm trying to throw him to the ground type of thing. So, Okay, so I, I guess my last question here to kind of wrap everything up and put a nice bow on it. How have, thing, how have the martial arts, the traditional martial arts changed since you started to today? you know, in whatever aspect, and where do you, where do you see things going from this point forward? What, what do you think maybe may change going forward? Well, it, again, uh, there's always going to be speciation. You know, I think the MMA aspect of it has actually given all the traditional martial arts a good kick in the ass that it needed. 
you know, <laughs> it's yeah. people are willing to test, you know, does this actually work as opposed to, well, because my sensei says it works, it works. So I, I think that was a, a, a good boost that the martial arts world needed. Um, and like I said, they kind of split off and now MMA is its own thing and, you know, traditional martial arts are their own thing. Uh, but I think kind of like we've been talking about, the information flowing back around and everybody's making up, you know, new combinations of martial arts or they're taking whatever, a judo throw and putting it in uh, Aikido. Or, well, that's actually pretty similar, but taking a judo throw and putting it in, you know, Southern Mantis Kung Fu or something like that. I think it's actually going to be a, uh, a become more of a niche thing. You know, what are you actually interested in learning from a particular martial art? And then the sensei will actually become, what? how does the sensei teach it? Because Aikido, just again, to use my own example, Aikido is a complete martial art. It has striking, it has throws, it has locks, it has ground fighting. But most people don't train it that way, and most people, because they didn't train it that way for the last, I don't know, about 50 years or so, don't know that it's in there. You actually have to do some kind of, uh, art restoration and <laughs> kind of recreate it from some of the old pictures and whatnot. So I, I think, I, uh, ironically, we're going to be doing martial arts archaeology and going back farther in the past to find out what we're missing. Interesting. A uh, personal view on that. I mean, who knows? 20 years from now, we could all be, you know, Matrix downloading jujitsu into our brains. But Yeah, exactly. He's like, you want to learn Kung Fu? Here's the chip. Yeah, <laughs> that's an extra 20. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, well, thanks for the uh, discussion. So if people want to uh, reach you, how do they reach you? And, uh, uh, plug your podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have uh, the Martial Thoughts podcast. Uh, you can go there on iTunes, or if you go to the blog, you can download directly from there. It's called uh, thinkingmarshall.blogspot.com. Uh, I usually put up an article or, I guess, a post. And My wife told me they're not articles, they're posts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I put up a post about every two weeks or so, you know, the show notes for the the podcaster on there so you know if you're interested in that or if you uh, i do a lot of good interviews with kind of random martial arts from all over the spectrum traditional japanese martial arts to you know some of the people that are trying to recreate the western martial arts of uh long sword techniques and stuff like that so it, it's been a lot of fun doing that part of it Okay, how about uh, Facebook and Twitter? Oh, that's right, sorry. I'm new to that part of it. <laughs> uh, if you want to look on the Twitter, it's uh, at Marshall Thoughts, and I just created the Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash Marshall Thoughts. And anytime I put up a new episode or a new blog post, it kind of gets everywhere. So, you know, if you're following one, you're following all of them anyway. So, Okay, perfect. So, um, yeah, I guess we are, I believe we've covered all the basics of, of modern martial arts that I wanted to hit, so I think we're good. Okay. All right, well, I'll uh, let you go, but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, cool. All right, so that's it for this episode of the Samurai Archives podcast. Be back in about two weeks with yet another episode, as always. So, in the meantime, if you haven't got all of our back episodes, you can either get them on iTunes, or you can go to SamuraiPodcast.com, where we have all of our old episodes. Over there, you'll also find links to books that have been mentioned on the podcast, so if you'd like to purchase them, use those links. And kick us back a tiny bit of money, and it's all powered by Amazon, so no worries there. And also, if you want to rate the podcast, please do so on iTunes. It's appreciated, and it kind of gets the word out, and expands our Samurai Archives universe just a little bit more with every review. Also, if you want to continue the conversation, head over to japanhistoryforum.com. have a sub-forum over there for the Samurai Archives podcast. In each episode, we put a description, kind of 
write out what our goals were with the episode and uh, welcome questions and discussion on each topic. And if you have questions or discussion points on any old topics or ideas for future episodes or whatever, that's the place to do it. JapanHistoryForum.com. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at Samurai Archives or on Facebook. I don't know what the URL is. It's some I never updated it, so it's some string of letters and numbers. But if you search Samurai Archives on Facebook, you're guaranteed to find it. Or you can send us an email at SamuraiPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll do our best to get back to you. Unless it's some esoteric question that I would actually have to put some research time into, in which case you may not get a response. But, you know, if that's the case, actually, you're probably better off going to the forum anyway. Again, japanhistoryforum.com. And anyway, all these links that have been mentioned are all on samuraipodcast.com, so you may want to just bookmark samuraipodcast.com. And over there, you can also find our link to amazon.com. If you use that, we get a tiny fraction of a percent or what have you kicked back to us to cover the costs associated with the podcast. And no matter what you buy, you don't pay anything extra by using our link. All it does is tell Amazon that you went there via the Samurai Archives podcast, and so we get a little kickback. Because podcasts ain't cheap. Well, all of your help and feedback to this point is appreciated, and I look forward to more, and catch you next time. <laughs>